The Jets will have the second and 23rd pick in the first round of the NFL Draft Thursday. Is Zach Wilson a lock to be a Jet with the second pick? What will Gang Green do with the 23rd pick? We'll talk about that and what other players and positions Joe Douglas might target with the remaining eight picks. And our special guest this week is a true bro. It's diehard Jets fan, former WFAN personality, Joe Benigno. So let's take flight next on a special NFL draft preview edition of Gangs All Here from the New York Post. You play to win the game. Welcome back to Gangs All Here, our New York Jets podcast from the New York Post. It's our special NFL draft preview edition of the show. Jake Brown here, Brian Costello there. You can follow us on Twitter at Jake Brown Radio, at Brian Cos, and check out Cos's coverage of the draft in the post and at nypost.com. Give us that five-star rating. Write in a nice review on Apple Podcasts. We appreciate your support. We'll have a post-draft show next Monday, May 3rd. I'll be down in South Carolina. My brother is getting married. And later in the show, we have quite the interview with the legendary Joe Beningo about everything from his Jets fandom to his ability to sing to Mets and what he thinks of the Jets' drafts. Coming up and everything in between, so check out that in a little bit. But, Kaz, how have you been keeping busy? You're now a softball coach when the Jets aren't playing. That's right, Jake. Uh, all the all those Jets coaches who I've criticized through the years, they might want to show up on a North Jersey softball field and criticize me. I'm coaching my 8-year-old daughter's softball team and having a lot of fun doing it and keeping busy with the draft. Yeah, I played one year Little League, never got a hit. I struck out and cried my last at-bat because I thought it was a ball. It was almost like the umpires of the Mets game on Sunday was the my Little League umpire behind home. And then I said, you know what? I'm quitting and sticking with basketball. So, cause eight-year-olds, oh my goodness. I can imagine those games could go on for hours upon hours. They're not that long, Jake. Six innings. Uh, they can only have 10 up in an inning. So they, there's there's rules to keep it under control. But, you know, I've, I think I've now found the motivator, the incentives for the girls. Just like, you know, baseball teams put the incentives into contracts. I now have a sticker book, Jake, where if they do something well in the game or practice, they get a sticker. That seems to be working. Uh, we got them on the right path. Seven hits in today's game. My next goal is for them to score a run in the next game. Uh, I didn't know stickers were that's still in. I, I thought kids now would just want phones at the age of eight. Uh, <laughs> I, I, I had the tie-dye, the beanie babies were my thing, and keychains back in the uh, late 90s. So, <laughs> anyways, this is Gangs All Here. We're going to talk some Jets football here. The New York Jets have uh, been kind of busy. We didn't have a show when they traded Sam Darnold because it was kind of inevitable. You know, we'll start with that because quarterback's going to be the obvious topic with Zach Wilson. And headlining the names of Jets uh, draft picks coming with that's almost a certified lock with the number two pick. I like what they got for Darnold. I didn't think they were going to get much more. I feel bad for Teddy Bridgewater now having a you know have a competition. Although we expect Darnold to be their starter and beat him out for a second time now. It happened with the Jets, and now it looks like it's going to happen with the Panthers. 
yeah, they, they get a second round, a fourth rounder, and they'll you know next year, and they'll have a sixth rounder this year. I don't think they could do much better uh, than what Joe Douglas did. No, I agree with you, Jake. A uh, few factors you know go into it. Well, number one, Darnold didn't have that good of a year last year. So you know, I got some emails from Jets fans. Oh, they didn't get enough for him. But you got to flip it around and, and pretend like you're a fan of the Panthers. How do you view Sam Darnold coming in? He was the worst rated passer in the NFL last year. So there was mitigating factors. I know. People want to blame Adam Gase. People want to blame the weapons. But the fact of the matter is still Sam Darnold has not performed well. So if you're trading for him, that's in your mind. The other thing is there weren't that many teams, Jake, that needed a quarterback of those who were not taking one in the draft, right? Like, so it kind of came down to the Panthers and the Broncos were the only ones that really made sense for him after some of the free agency moves, after Washington signs Fitzpatrick, Chicago signs Dalton. That takes those teams out of it. Indianapolis obviously gets Carson Wentz. So... You need a market to, to create. So I thought Joe Douglas did pretty well. I thought it was smart pushing a picks till next year. Uh, next year's draft should be a little bit better than this year's because this year's draft, Jake, is a really a mystery because they didn't play many games last year. Some players opted out. There's a very small pool of players this year. I don't think people realize this, that the NCAA allowed guys to go back to school. So, you know, usually there's about 2,000 players in the draft. There's 700 this year. So that's a big decrease, and that's going to affect the later rounds. So I thought Douglas turning his focus to next year was smart. You know, he already has a lot of picks this year. Get some more next year. Yeah, they got 10 picks this year, and that leads us into our little preview here. So the second pick, first pick, obviously, Trevor Lawrence didn't fall to the Jets because of a couple of uh, uh, victories that didn't matter. Everyone knows that old story. And Zach Wilson comes to the Jets at two. Now, when you talk about not many games, you also talk about with Zach Wilson, not much competition, cause. In three years at BYU, improved each year. Obviously, his best year last year, but BYU played no power five opponents he had 33 touchdowns three picks 73.5 percent completion percentage they were 11 and one had a great year not a ton of competition what's your overall thoughts on zach wilson likely becoming the new jets franchise quarterback yeah i think there's a lot of risk here jake you know uh they didn't play anyone his sophomore year which is 2019 he beat usc he beat tennessee he didn't have that great a season that year but he uh, had shoulder surgery uh, in January of that year, he still was feeling the effects of that surgery. He also injured his thumb that year, had needed surgery on that. So his 2019 year is a little weird, and 2018 was his freshman season. I just did a big story for the Post that was in Sunday's paper where I talked to a lot of people from BYU, Jake. And you know the thing that stands out to me, I have no idea how he'll work out, right? None of us do. Joe Douglas doesn't. Robert Sala doesn't. But this kid works from the people I talked to at BYU. He, he is a film junkie. I mean, I talked to two guys who lived with him at BYU and they said they basically had to like drag him out to go get something to eat because he wanted to sit there and watch film. I talked to uh, his offensive coordinator, his quarterback's coach rather, and the quarterback's coach said like they would play a game and by the time the bus got to the airplane, Zach Wilson would have watched the game already and the coaches hadn't watched it yet. He'd be like wanting to talk about it with them and they'd be like, you know, chill, we gotta watch it still. They would finally get to it during, you know, watching on the plane. He would go back to talk to Wilson and Wilson be watching film of Aaron Rodgers on the back of the plane. He studied Aaron Rodgers, studied Patrick Mahomes. One of the guys who lived with them said he would show you a throw at home. Say like, look what Rodgers does here. He does this kind of like jump funky throw, you know, like any kind of weird throw the next day in practice, Wilson would try it. He did a Patrick Mahomes, no look pass in practice one day and the coaches went crazy. Then he did it in a game and it worked. You know, if you watch the central Florida game, he does it against them. So there's some good work ethic there, Jake. Uh, his arm is obviously good. All that being said, you, you know, you don't know, but you don't know about any of these guys to me. 
Trevor Lawrence seems like a sure, quote unquote, sure thing. But there's questions about all the other quarterbacks in this draft. Yeah, and I think it is important that the Jets at least committed to going that route and, you know, getting rid of Darnold did that. That's interesting. It's good to know that he wants to get better and he's watching the film and the work. Of, it does seem like he has a certain swagger to him that could be yes. built for New York. Uh, although he, he looks like he might get carded for Raider R movies. I mean, he's got the baby <laughs> face. He's going to be the baby yeah. face all over the billboards of New York City. There's going to be all the pressure. This is not Utah. You're not in Kansas anymore, Zach Wilson. You're yeah. not in Utah anymore where you know everything closes at 9 p.m. We're open till 4. He's going to get carded to go into any club he wants to go to. It's a different life and there's a lot of pressure that comes with that. So from day one, he doesn't even have competition right now. It's not like he's competing with anyone. It is his job to lead this team in week one. Unless the Jets do something these coming months to bring competition in for him, it's his job, and he's got the keys to the city, Cos. Yeah, he's the baby face of the franchise, Jake. That's what I call him. I mean, you're right with his looks. He looks like he's 12 to me. But I think the Jets will bring in someone, Jake, after the draft. I don't know who it is. I don't know if it's going to be Brian Hoyer or somebody like that. I mean, it's going to be like quote-unquote competition. Zach Wilson's going to be starting week one. You, you, like these guys get ch- chosen that high, they end up starting, but they might bring up so bring in somebody. They can't go into the season with Zach Wilson, James Morgan, and Mike White as their quarterbacks, none of whom have ever taken a snap in the NFL. They need somebody who's actually been on an NFL field before. So I think they will bring in somebody. But you're right, Jake. There's a lot of pressure on him. Again, those I talked to said he's up for it. He does have a little cockiness to him, um, you know, confidence, cockiness. But I think that's kind of good in a quarterback. It was something. I always thought Sam lacked. Sam didn't kind of have that swagger. I think Zach has that a little bit. We'll see how it translates. I was told someone in his family, Kaz, owns JetBlue or is... Uh, the founder of JetBlue. His uncle is the founder of JetBlue. I don't know if he's still involved. He's actually been the founder of like several airlines, Jake. One in Brazil. Yeah, very, you know, he, there's some, some success there in the family. Yeah, I've heard he comes from money. I don't know if that plays a part in his football game, but I've heard he is a privileged guy. He's lived a privileged life. Um, we'll see how that translates. I don't look too deep into that because if you can play football and you're working to get better, that's not a huge deal. But I was told that. I was on ESPN Radio in South Carolina, and they were saying he was this rich kid also, and bratty. It was also in the New York Post on Sunday. Yes, and in the New York Post on Sunday. Make sure you check that out. Good research by you. Doing your job, getting talking to the right people. And I did watch, I saw that tape where he talked with the coach, and the first play was a 78-yard touchdown uh, he drew up. So the, it's, it's cool that he works with the coaches, and he's ahead of them when it comes to game film. So the, Yeah, yeah, that was good. I mean, he, he saw something. He, they were playing Houston. At the time, it was a huge game. BYU was 5-0, and um, and Houston was a good team, one of the better teams they played. And he saw a cornerback studying film, knew he could beat him went to the coach and said let's run this play and the coach said okay and he, he did it and it worked uh, and then that they end up in the fourth quarter scoring 22 points that day and the coach told me that he trusted him because of what he did in the beginning of the game to kind of they scrapped the game plan did some different stuff in the fourth quarter so yeah he's coachable i hear you know everything these guys said about him was it was positive basically yeah and he, you know one monster year we've heard that before with with past quarterbacks the jets has taken so let's hope that translates and the jets have their franchise quarterback the baby face of the franchise they also have the 23rd pick now they could go a lot of different ways here i think their cornerback depth chart is embarrassingly bad with bless austin and bryce hall as your one and two in my opinion and i said this when i went on that show i would take someone like greg newsom out of northwestern his stats really speak out he was one of the he was the best cornerback in the big 10 um he had 10 pass breakups allowed one completion from more than 10 yards he's had some injuries in his career but the top corners to me are going to be off the board so that's why i go newsom but cause they could go Oh, offensive line we know they need they need help there they could go with a playmaker if they want 
you know, they could save that for the 34th pick or later. In my mind, they got to get that secondary figured out. And I think I would go with Greg Newsom at a Northwestern with 23. Where are you going? Yeah, I agree with you, Jake. I think cornerback is the number one need, you know, after we after we talk about quarterback. But I think after that, it's corner. And you talk about, you know, Bless Austin had some good moments. Um, you know, Bryce Hall's had some good moments. But I don't think you can count on those two to be your number one and number two corners. I think you could probably count on one of them developing more this year. Play them. Ideally, though, you want to add some depth. I mean, there's you talk about the top two corners. Who's their third cornerback, Jake? Do you know? Javelin Gidry, maybe? Good job. Javelin Gidry is the third cornerback right now. And then the other Lamar Jackson is probably their fourth cornerback. So they need to get some some depth there. Uh I, I thought they probably should have added someone a veteran free agent, but they didn't. So they didn't like the, they didn't love the free agency market there. So they, they, I think 23 makes perfect sense there. Newsom. Yeah. Newsom would make sense. I, I, Caleb Farley to me is fascinating, Jake from Virginia tech. If he was not, you know, did not come out back surgery, he might be the number one cornerback in this draft, but he had back surgery in March. They say he's going to be okay. He's sitting there at 23. I think that's a tough decision for Joe Douglas. I, and I, imagine it would be up to what the doctors say and what they say about him. And you just got to watch too, Jake, of who falls down to 23. Like there might be somebody there. We're not expecting. I think if Elijah Vera Tucker, the guard from USC is there, he's the best guard in this draft. Grab him. They need help with guards. I I might prioritize him. Jeremiah Owusu-Koromoa, the linebacker right of Notre Dame. I think he's built to play in Robert Sala's defense. I don't think he's going to be there at 23, but if he is, I'd be tempted to go there, Jake. So they have so many holes. They can go in a million different directions. And then I think the 34 pick Jake and the 23, I kind of see them together. You know, I, I think if, if you don't fill one hole with 23, you, then you fill it with 34. Uh, they also could trade around with those picks, move up or down. So I think Joe Douglas has some flexibility there. Yeah, I, I didn't say Farley because I figured he'll be off the board by then. But yeah, if he's there, you might have to take the risk. You know, there's Asante Samuel's son, Asante Samuel Jr. too, who could be on the board at 34. So I think 23 and 34, cause you got to go off offensive line and corner and I'm a guy who loves playmakers and receivers but I just don't think that's their dire need right now and they could always get that later uh and then later in the offseason as well I'm okay though Jake if the linebacker from Notre Dame Owusu Karmo if he's there like that's he's a freakish player Salah needs coverage linebackers they're going to a 4-3 it's completely different than what they've played I'd be okay there Samuel is kind of small Jake 5-10 the Salah defense that Seattle defense they like big cornerbacks uh so I I think they might be scared off by Samuel being a little bit smaller guy but yeah he, he'll he'll probably be there in that second round but I, yeah I think the order here of what the Jets are targeting is cornerbacks offensive linemen pass rushers and then you start to look at running backs and receivers which they need too now we the Jets have the the 23rd pick then 34 then 66 and 86 86 they got from the Seahawks 107 146 154 which is from the Leonard Williams trade from the Giants 186 and then 226 which is from the Panthers in the sixth round because the Darnold and none in the seventh round who are some other guys that stick out to you maybe later on that they can go after when you know when we do talk about playmakers are there names that stick out to you first of all I just would say don't sleep on linebacker when you list the needs because that is a that's where you feel it when you switch systems from three four to four three and right now 
if you're figuring out their linebackers, it's CJ Mosley, who they've already, you know, they've talked about trading him all along. And I have to imagine he'll be gone after this year. They have Jared Davis, who they just signed from Detroit, a one-year contract. He's not long-term answer. And I guess Blake Cashman maybe is the third starting linebacker right now. So you basically put every position on the football field, Jake, and throw a dart up there. You're going to hit a Jets need. But let's talk wide receiver. Because I don't think they're going to take a wide receiver early because they signed Corey Davis. They've got um, Denzel Mims hoping he's healthy after signing him last year. But maybe later in the draft, you, you go one. And I think there's some interesting guys. Cornell Powell from Clemson could be a mid-round guy that they go after. Uh, Seth Williams from Auburn. Josh Palmer from Tennessee. Uh, Tamar, I don't know how you pronounce his name. Tamari and Terry from Florida State is in the middle rounds. You know, I can see them grabbing a guy there, Jake, you know, a wide receiver, because they need to add depth. Jameson Crowder's in his last year. So I think they'll... They'll probably add a receiver. I just don't think it'll be early. And then running back, you know, running back is always a fascinating position, Jake, because, you know, Mel Kuyper's on ESPN screaming, you don't take one in the first round and all that stuff. So does does Joe Douglas kind of wait? You know, I think Najee Harris and Travis Etienne are the guys in the first round. Javante Williams from North Carolina, Michael Carter from North Carolina, Kenneth Gainwell from Memphis. Trey Sermon from Ohio State, those are kind of guys in that day two area, second, third round. I do think running back, they need to add to that room. Right now, they have Tevin Coleman, they have LaMichael Piron, but they could use a game breaker there. And especially in this offense, the LaFleur, the Shanahan offense that Mike LaFleur is bringing over, it's predicated on the running game. And, you know, we saw... Last year when they played the Jets, Jake, the first play of the game was an 80-yard rushing touchdown by Raheem Ostert, right? That's that's what they do. They they run, and then they pass off the run. They do a lot of play action. So they, they need some good running backs. I think they just need to add as many as possible to that room and see what shakes out from there. And we end with the most important position. Draft me a kicker, Joe oh, Douglas. Kicker. We need a freaking kiss. We're going to have the new Jose, Jose, Jose chant like Jose Reyes when they draft Jose Borre. Gales out of Miami. They need him. Oh, Jose. Jose, Jose, Jose. Jose, Jose. Jose. I can see it. I can see it in that life. <laughs> Every time he makes a kick, we're going to get the, oh man, I can't wait for that. What were you in 2006? 15 years old? So that was the height of my Mets fandom, yes. The height of your Mets fan. I was covering the Mets in the playoffs then. That was before my Jets days. That was my baseball days. I can remember those Jose chants. I remember uh, the Dodgers series here and all those Jose chants. So, yeah, kicker. I could see them going kicker. Uh, Evan McPherson's another one from Florida who could get drafted. They've got those six-round picks, Jake. I could see, you know, last year they used one on a punter. Maybe he uses one on the kicker this year. Yeah, Braden Man worked out. He was the best player on the team last year. Best um, tackler on the team. Yeah. And remember, the, remember the tackle he made against oh, the Rams? Yeah. He lit that guy up, yeah. And, and you know, it's might, Trevor Lawrence might be here if it wasn't for Braden Man right uh, now. Braden. Oh, let's, <laughs> listen, we'll take a good punter. Like, Give me a good kicker. And, you know, it could be the Sam Darnold trade. That pick could turn into the franchise kicker. How about that? Yeah, I remember I was at game six, 2006. And after the game, John Main pitch on the subway. It wasn't Jose, Jose. It was John Main, John Main, John Main, John Main. <laughs> and uh, those moments always stick with me. By the way, we'll end it with this. Because I remember someone tweeting me this. The girl I was talking to the last show we did, that is no more. So uh, that, that ended about a what? month or six weeks in. Yeah, we had eight or nine nine dates uh with that is over so it's hot bald boy summer for me coming up i'm just gonna oh, be single forever cause rooting for the Mets the, and jets. the jets playoff hopes last longer in a season than your relationships jake i right? know it's it's a story of the last almost decade of my life it's pretty embarrassing and the jets yeah it's right? the jets and jake no have playoffs you a, have you ever had a 2015 <laughs> season jake with a girl where you got you know right to week 17 
and then things fell apart before the playoffs? Has that happened? No, I mean, I've had stints like between a month to four to five months since 2014, nothing longer. So I've had a lot of short-term stints and, you know, my career has gotten in the way of that, And but it's fine. We're not, <laughs> this is for the, uh, the therapy podcast, but yeah. uh, listen. The, the Mets are the Mets are bringing me joy. The New York Knicks are bringing me joy. And the Mets, Knicks, and Jets always bring joy and, oh, the pain to our next guest here and gang's all here. And that's former WFN personality Joe Beningo coming up next. Joining us now is a longtime diehard Jets fan. You used to hear him as half of WFAN's midday Joe and Evan show, ranting and raving about gangrene and, of course, the New York Mets. He announced his retirement from the fan at the end of 2020 and now can be seen on your local New Jersey golf courses. Please welcome <laughs> Joe from Saddle River. It's Joe B. Joe Beningo joining Jake Brown, Brian Costello here on Gangs All Here. Joe, welcome to the show. How is retirement treating you? It's doing well, man. I'm um, I'm doing good. I'm enjoying it. Really not missing work at all. I I'd be lying to you if I told you differently. Just trying to trying to get uh, better at golf, and uh, you know, make it just just when you think you made progress, you'll uh, always have that round that brings you back to reality. You know what I mean? Has your game got better since retirement? Worse or the same? Yeah, no, I would say definitely better. Definitely better. I actually got my second hole in one. This is it's, it's a crazy story. I'll get, I got my second hole in one. I, we got the uh, second vaccine. Okay, a couple. Of weeks ago march 25th actually the second vaccine that day we went to play golf and i actually got a hold my second hole in one that day i have two amazingly enough which just shows you that you know you don't have to be a good golfer to get to get lucky uh you know every now and then i could tell you that well maybe joe it's the side effect from the vaccine is hole in ones right like that, that <laughs> Man, you know what hey you know what i actually you know let me, let me tell you brian i had a birdie that day as well i mean that, i mean that's like there unheard of i had a hole in one and a birdie on the same day in the same round so maybe there is something maybe that you know who knows i'll take it i'll take hole in ones and investing in microsoft stock are the uh apparent <laughs> side effects of uh, the vaccine uh do you find yourself Joe, caring less, more, same about the games. Now that you're not talking about it, does it affect your life less if the if Edwin Diaz blows a save or the Jets lose a horrible game? I haven't been really been retired yet that with the Jets losing a horrible game that mattered. You know, <laughs> I was retired for that Oakland disaster last year, but that's you know or Las Vegas. I'm sorry, they're in Vegas now. Wherever the Raiders are these days, you know, I really haven't had a brutal loss since I've been working. You know, not working. I mean. Uh, the Jets situation will never change. The Mets, I take, I take the Mets one day, right? Like, like you know, you take it as it is over 162 games now. You're a Mets fan right now. They're nine and eight. Uh, you know, they're, they're still in first place in the division. Nobody's running away with it. They haven't really started to hit. Lindor has done nothing yet. If we want to get into the Mets, thing McNeil hasn't hit. Villar's been getting a lot of his playing time. Uh, but they pitched well. You know, they really have pitched well. Degrom obviously has been unbelievable. Strowman, except for the other day, has been really good. And, uh, you know, like I said, right now, you're a Met fan. You'll take 9 and 8, 17 games into the season. You'll take it. Cause I'm going to have to have Joe on uh, Amazing But True with me and Nelson yeah. Figueroa, our Mets the podcast. Mets. Uh, no, I, no, I'd love to. Who, oh, you and Nelson Figueroa, is that right? Yeah, we do. Our, we just had Glenn Close on the other day and Hank Azaria. So really? We've, we've Glenn had some... Close. Big, that's right. She is a Mets fan, isn't she? She sang the I national did, yeah. anthem in the 86 right. World Series. Yes. Right. So, uh, yeah, no, hey, you want to talk Mets, too? I'm, I'm, I'm ready to go. The Diaz hasn't blown a big one yet. Not so yet. We can't, you know, yes, <laughs> not yet. I mean, that hasn't happened yet. You know it will. And I will say this. It's only 17 games into it, but it would be nice if Lindor started to hit, okay? Because I'm a little, 
I wasn't thrilled about that. Just while we're talking Mets, I wasn't thrilled about that move to begin with. I wanted them to sign George Springer. That's the only move I wanted. If they would have just signed Springer, I would have been happy. I would have been okay leaving uh, the kid, Jimenez. Okay, we got traded along with Rosario. I would have been happy to see him be the everyday shortstop, Springer in center field, and let's go. But they made the trade for Lindor. They gave him the big money, and let's hope he doesn't turn into, uh, you know, Robbie Alomar or Carlos Vallejo. <laughs> oh. <laughs> there it is. Guys, that came from It guys goes through my Cleveland. mind, Brian. It goes through my mind, Brian. You oh, know it does. I know. Infielders from Cleveland. I know. I know. Look. Hey, man, I was at Game uh, 7 in 86. I, I, I have some Mets pelts on my wall, so I, I know what you're saying. I know. Let's, well, uh, yeah. let's, yep. let's talk some Jets. Let's talk some Jets, yes. Joe. How did you feel about the hiring of Robert Sala? Let's start there. I did a cartwheel when they signed Sala. I, they, I I told this to you the other day, Brian. I it's the most excited I have been for a Jet head coach since Parcells came here in '97. I, I it's wow. not even debatable. I love this guy. Is when I watching him, you know, over the years in San Francisco as a defensive coordinator. I'm like, I, I love this. There's something about the guy. You know, I was thrilled they uh, hired Salah, and when they let him out of the building. I mean, I was, I was like, oh my God, you got to be kidding me. Typical Jets, you know, Antoine Winfield, we could go on. You know, what's, who's, what's his name? Barr, Anthony, Anthony Barr, Barr. Here we go again. You know, they're going to, all the story, the guy's coming here, now he's not coming here. So when he wound up, when I got up that morning and saw that he had, uh, had taken the job, I was thrilled. I really was. Where are you, Joe, on the Sam Darnold trade? I think the Jets got a pretty decent return for him. He'll compete with uh, Teddy Bridgewater again, who's kind of getting screwed over by Sam Darnold by two franchises now. But what'd you think of the Darnold trade? Uh, I had no problem with it. I was good either way. Uh, you know, if they could have kept Arnold for another year and wanted to play his contract, I wouldn't have gave him the, the extension. I wouldn't have gave him the money, but I would have let him play out as a free agent. If they wanted to do that, I could have lived with it. But uh, you knew, look, they didn't draft him. So I, I, you felt that. He, and he wasn't, let's be honest. I mean, he wasn't great. I understand we could we could make all the excuses about the coaching, no question about it. You know, the uh, lack of weapons around, all of this. We could talk about all of that kind of thing. The bottom line is, you know, Donald just, he wasn't consistent enough. He continued to make the stupid mistake, you know, throwing a ball into a crowd. You know, we saw this over and over again. So, and he, he, you know, he didn't stay on the field all the time. He was always hurt. Every year he missed a couple games. I had no problem with it. They just better be right with Zach Wilson. That's how I would say that. Just better be right with this guy. I'm curious, Joe, to go back a little bit. You know, you and I and Evan, we talked a bunch of times in recent years about tanking. And you were always a guy who said, I'm going to root for the team to win no matter what. I, I can't root for my team to lose. How did you feel 0-13, you know, it was pretty clear the way the season was going at 0-13. How did you feel when they won that game in Los Angeles and you saw Trevor Lawrence evaporate? I was happy. I couldn't be upset. I couldn't be upset. I didn't want to go 0-16. I got to be honest with you. I did not want, you know, I'm a Jet fan since the 1965 I've seen a lot of bad teams over the years. I didn't want to be the Detroit Lions. You know, I, I, I just, I, I didn't want that. You know, I didn't want to be the, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers in the beginning. I didn't want to have, we got all these bad marks on our franchise as it is. 0-16 shouldn't be one of them. So I was happy they won that game. And I got to tell you, I loved when they kicked the, the Browns rear end the week after. I, I got to tell you that. I, I thoroughly enjoyed that game. I thoroughly enjoyed sticking it to Baker Mayfield after, you know, after what happened when he came in that game, that Thursday night game, and everybody in the country, Joe Buck and Troy Aikman and everybody and their brother was rooting for the Browns, and they got the beer on ice if they win, and all of that. And the Jets should have won that game. That was a typical Todd Bowles, horrific coaching blown game. With that said, so I loved it that they beat the uh, you-know-what out of Baker Mayfield. So, you know what? 
I can't root against them. I didn't want to be 0-16. And if it cost them Trevor Lawrence, I mean, look, I mean, they still got a ton of picks. There's no reason they still can't be, can't be a good team. And to me, it comes down to coaching. It really does. This franchise has not – let's be real. Who's the real coaches that this franchise has had? You know, you want to give me Weeb Bank? he was. You got to give him credit. He won the Super Bowl. You know, Bill was good, but Bill was Bill's foot was out the door the minute he came in and say whatever you want about Bill. They made the playoffs once in three years. He made some bad decisions. He made, some, he made a bad decision in Detroit when he messed around with Neil O'Donnell in that game against the Lions. They should have won that game and went to the playoffs that year. I put that totally on Bill. You know, in 99, uh, it, it still boggles my mind how he stuck with Rick Meyer as long as he did. You know, he couldn't wait to go to Ray Lucas in that game in Detroit when the guy never threw a pass in his life. Couldn't wait for that. But he, he waits, you know, six weeks to go to Ray Lucas to finally make that switch. And, of course, if he would have went sooner, they would have made the playoffs that year. So I had my issues with Bill. But, you know, I mean, look, Herman Edwards was a good coach. They went to the playoffs three times with Herman Edwards. Obviously, Rex with the back-to-back AFC championship games. Walt Michaels had his moments. Joe Walton was a terrible coach. I know they made the playoff a couple times with Walton. They should have been better than they were. So they, But, you know, who's the coaches? I pray Robert Sal is the guy. I pray. Are you all on board? You said about Zach Wills and he better be the guy. Did you want Fields? Did you want them, uh, you know, maybe still try and trade for Russell Wilson? Or you don't love Fields? No, nah, I would never trade. There's no way I would ever trade it for Russell Wilson or Deshaun Watson. I would have never given up the draft capital to do it. Nope. Never. I would not have been down with that. Uh, look, I mean, I don't know. Like, I don't love Fields. I've seen a lot more. I haven't really seen Wilson play, i got to be honest. I've seen Fields a lot. You know, I watch a lot of the Big Ten. I saw Fields play. I, I thought he had a terrible game in the Big Ten championship game against Northwestern. Obviously, he had a big game in the in the playoff uh, against Clemson before they got killed by Alabama. H- here's how I answer that question. There's no pedigree, and I'm very big on this, as, as you know, I just, as a guy who's watched football now for, you know, 60-plus years, whatever it is, 60 years now. I'm big on pedigree, and there's no no pedigree of Ohio State quarterbacks in the NFL. Nobody. When you look at Brigham Young, you got Jim McMahon, Super Bowl winner, probably would have been, if, if not for injuries, he would have been a, had a lot better and longer career than he did. They would have won more to Bears, probably. But you got Jim McMahon, Steve Young, Hall of Famer. You had guys like Mark Wilson, who was a pretty okay NFL quarterback with the Raiders in the old days. Uh, you know, the Detmer brothers, not that they were anything big in the NFL. but So there, there is a pedigree of quarterbacks for Brigham Young that I don't have at Ohio State. So if that means anything, uh, you know, we'll see. Yeah, no, it's a good point, John. Taysom Hill is the latest one. You know, in New Orleans, he came from BYU. Yeah, so and he's, you know, he's shown Although some I don't look at him as a classic. To me, he's not a classic quarterback. Though. No, he's not. But he's, you know, a good, good player from BYU. When you look at the second first-round pick, Joe, 23, 34, I kind of view that the picks 23 and 34 kind of interchangeable. What do you hope the Jets have accomplished with that second first-round pick and then in the second round as well? They need an offensive impact player. They need a game breaker. And I, and I don't know that Denzel Mims is that guy, but they need a guy. Give me a guy like Alvin Kamara. Okay, if you could find me that kind of guy, the guy that can, you know, run with, you know, run from run with the ball, catch the ball out of the backfield, do all those kind of things, those Marshall Falk, you know, kind of things. <laughs> you know, the, the, he was the best to ever do that. If you give me that kind of guy, uh, that's what I want. Now, I don't know if Travis Etienne is that guy. I don't know what's his name, the kid uh, Harris, from, Harris from, from Alabama. Alabama. Yeah, yeah, I, I don't know, but I mean, that's the kind of guy I, I want—a skill position game breaker. And if you could find that kind of guy, I know they need a cornerback. 
I get that. I understand. I know they need more offensive linemen. I get that as well. But I am sick of seeing no very, very little in the in the in in weapons on a team and no great speed. I, give me that. You know what I mean? Give me a game break. I need a game breaker. I need one. Yeah, I don't disagree. I think they'll probably end up going with a corner at twenty three. I mean, but. You know, you have the scare of the D Milliner in the back of our mind. From- no, 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 no. I don't want any court. Look, I mean, let me tell you right now. Only the Jets could draft these guys from Alabama and they can't play. I mean, all, only them. I mean, seriously, like, like, oh, like, it's, it's ridiculous. I mean, no, come on. I mean, it's unbelievable. I mean, Alabama, I mean, it's like every time you turn around, it's, it seems like they have three or four guys from Alabama on their team and they're all good. The Jets get, get Milner, he's a disaster. I mean, you can't make it up. Can't make it up. Quinn Williams Quinn looks like Wayne. he's starting to be Hopefully. a player. Yeah, Quinton Williams looks like he's he's starting to get it together for sure. He, he had a he had a good year last year. He's got to stay on the field because he got banged up at the end of the year too. You know, Quinton Williams looks like we got something with that. Yes. Do you like what the team did in free agency? Obviously, they had a lot yes, of holes. But absolutely. Uh, you like what Douglas did? Absolutely. I liked it. I liked their, pretty much every move they made. You know, getting the kid from Cincinnati on the defensive line. Uh, you know, the wide receiver from Tennessee. I like that move. The running back, what's his name? Coleman. He used to play for the Falcons, right? And not bad. That's, that's not a bad uh, signing. Vinny Curry, you take a shot on a guy like that. Why not? Maybe he catches lightning in a bottle. Maybe he gives you a big year rushing the passer. You know, he's got a chip on his shoulder. He's got stuff to play for. So I like those kind of guys. You know, they did a pretty decent job in the free agents. I was overall pretty happy with it. Pretty happy with it. Joe, you talked about the coaches before and the history of coaches. The GM history hasn't been very great either with this organization. How do you feel about Douglas right now? It's it's a weird thing. He's been here for two years. Like in June, it's two years already. It feels like he's still kind of, you know, this is going to be when he makes his impact. Obviously, the quarterback and what he what he can do with these 10 picks. How do you feel about Douglas right now? Uh, you know, Well, the first year, I mean, look, he's only had one draft. He's only had one draft, Brian, you know. And I don't know. I mean, Beckton looks like he's going to be a real good player. He's got to get in shape. I'm hoping Robert Stahl is going to whip him into shape because he's had his chance to be a you know a, a great offensive lineman. But he's got to stay healthy. And I think a lot of the reason he didn't stay healthy because he wasn't in shape. So I mean, but we'll see. We'll see what Mims turns out to be. The jury's out on Douglas. I mean, and and he's pretty much hitched his wagon to Zach Wilson. I mean, you know, so we'll see. Joe, will the Jets win a Super Bowl when you're still alive? I don't see it. I, I don't. I don't. No, I really. I I I just don't. I mean, I, I it's something I think about. I I I don't know if I've talked to Brian about this or not. Obviously, I saw Super Bowl three. I was 15 years old. But did I? Can I say? You know, have haven't been a Jet fan for only four years at that point that I could appreciate it like I would appreciate it now. I mean, if you would have told me, I went to the playoff game that they lost to the Chiefs in 1969. I mean, a bitter cold day at Shea Stadium at a bitter loss. Namath was terrible. He threw three interceptions in the game. They had a first and goal on a, on a one-yard line and couldn't put it in the end zone. Got stopped by that great Chief defense. By the way, that Chief defense, one of the great defenses of all time that doesn't get enough credit. They got they got about six Hall of Famers on that defense. But whatever. I remember walking out that day. They lost 13-6. to six. And I'm coming in with my buddy. We're freezing our rear ends off on the subway. I remember there was a guy, you know, really bombed <laughs> walking <laughs> behind us on the subway. And he's asking his buddy, uh, did we win the game? He didn't even know, you know, that guy. But I remember that. Vividly, I remember that. But if you would have told me that December 1969, when I was a 16-year-old kid, and now here I am, I'm, I'm 67 years old. And if you would have told me that I would not, not only would I have not seen the Jets win a championship since then, but not even be in a Super Bowl in all that time, how can I possibly believe I'm going to see it while I'm on this earth again? You'll get there. How can I believe that? 
it might be might be like I said, you know, we might be might be in a wheelchair, we might be wheeling you in, but but I think you'd get there. I mean, I, I was gonna say, how about you and Evan? I think you guys did a show from Pittsburgh, right? For the AFC championship game in two thousand ten. We were at the we were we and we were in Indianapolis the year before for that disaster. We were in Pittsburgh for that disaster, right? And that's the last playoff game they play. How about that? That's the last game know, playoff game they've had. Say, you walk out of that you walk out of uh Heinz Field that day. Did you ever think, you know, ten years later you'd be saying they didn't weren't back to the playoffs? Like it felt like no, it felt no, like that's I, I, I wouldn't, on the rise, I wouldn't have know? thought that. No, I wouldn't have thought that either. I wouldn't have thought that either. But that really puts it in perspective, I think, how long it's been. And that was fifteen when they won the Super Bowl and I still haven't been to one and I'm sixty seven. Joe, has there been any day I know you, I know you're enjoying retirement. Has there been any day where you said, Oh man, I wish I had a talk show today, like something happened? No. And you said <laughs> Absolutely <"No."> not. <laughs> Uh, yeah, I man. want. I honestly, with the state, with the state of the sports world today, and and, and just the, the state of the uh, the country right now, I am very glad that I am not doing anything <laughs> at all on the air. Do you still talk to Evan? Have you have you listened to him, Carton and Roberts um, at all? Or I, I have not listened to. And, and this is no look. I, I wish nothing. Look, I love Evan. I mean, you know, we uh, we had a tremendous run together. He's like uh, he's like a brother to me. He always will be. You know, my little brother. If you want to look at him that way, but I don't really look at him that way. I always just looked at him as an equal to me on the air. We had a great, great run together. And, uh, you know, I wish him through the roof for, with success. But uh, we talked a little bit. Uh, I have not listened to the station. I have not. I would be lying to you if I told you I have. 25 years on the fan. If Joe Beningo wasn't hosting on the fan, what would you have been doing? Wow. I would, if I, well, I tell you, I would. if you said what would I like to do more than anything, probably sing. Hmm. Okay. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm, you have no idea. People wow. don't know how delirious I am like this, but I am. I'm a big music guy, you know, 50s, 60s, 70s, 80s, the classic rock stuff, a lot of, even like stuff like Sinatra, stuff like that I'm really into. So, you know, yeah, I would have I would have liked to have been a singer, honestly. Is that like realistic? Like, do you have like a... Yes. Oh, yeah. Really? No, no. Yes. Oh, yeah. I used, In fact, when I was a kid, and this is true stories too, when I was a kid, you never knew this, Brian. When I no. was in, you know, like when I was uh, in my early in high school, uh, we lived. Uh, my father passed away. Uh, uh, as a matter of fact, the first my first day of high school. It's not as funny, but uh, he passed away my first day of high school back in 1967. So he's been gone a long time, and we lived with my grandparents really through my high school years. My mother and I, and my sister. And uh, I would go downstairs in my grandmother's basement. We had it all hooked up with the old, you know, record player and all that. You got the, you know, the sound down into the basement with the speakers, and I would set up the phony mics. Okay. And I would be, you name it, Paul McCartney, Mick Jagger, uh, you know, Brian Wilson, the Beach Boy. I mean, I would, you name it. And I was him, you know, doing that kind of thing. So, you know, Jim Morrison and the Doors, always big into the music and would have loved to have been a, a singer, no doubt about it. Didn't have the ability. Didn't have the ability. Although I try. Although I try. I do try. I want to hear a sample now. This is like, I'm, on the <laughs> no, I'm not singing now. You're not singing now. No, I, no, now I'm not. I mean, I can barely talk. I'm losing my voice. I mean, I, I can't, you know. I, I probably tell you what, you have me on another podcast and I'll do, uh, I'll sing a little, uh, a little Sinatra. Uh, well, I'm calling that. you for Amazing But True with me and Nelson in a couple weeks. <laughs> oh, no. Okay, well, you, you, you let me know. You give me a call and I'll be ready. I'll see, you know, we'll see what I'm going to do. Maybe a little summer wind, strangers in the night, something like <laughs> that. Jake, Jake, one of my best moments with yeah. Joe and Evan, right? Because, you know, I, I was very proud of this moment. They, one day they had Bill Belichick on the show because Joe, Belichick loves Joe. 
as anyone who listened to the show knew that Joe could get Joe could get Belichick on the show sometimes, which is amazing because Belichick doesn't do anything that he's not paid for media wise or required to. But he would go on with Joe. And so one day they had Belichick at noon and they had Brian Costello at 1220. What time were you on? We had Belichick at, at noon. And time- you had noon. I was on 1220. I was on right after him. Oh, so okay. I, ca- okay. I came on. I came on and I said, this is like when Jimi Hendrix opened for the monkeys. And Joe was very, <laughs> Joe was impressed that I knew that, that I knew that musical reference. And I, you know, so I, I, I nailed that one. Joe liked that one. And I, that's what I felt like though, going on after Belichick. Yeah, you know, speaking of that, it's interesting. I went to see uh, Chicago back in 1972, you know, the group Chicago at Madison Square Garden. And I, the opening act, and it was the only opening act this guy ever did, okay, in his entire life. And he basically got booed off the stage because everybody wanted to see Chicago. And it was Bruce Springsteen, 1972. <laughs> wow, yeah. that's awesome. Yep. yep. Awesome. You guys weren't even born. You guys weren't even thoughts wow. in 1972. I was born in 91, so I wasn't even. Uh, oh, my God, 91. Hey, the Jets made the playoffs that year. They were 8-8. Eight eight. There you, you go. <laughs> that, was, that, was the big year. that was the big year with Bruce Coslett. Oh, my God. Oh, the pain, Joe. Oh, the, oh, pain. the pain. It beat Miami in the last game of the year in overtime. I'll never forget it. Raul Allegre kicks the game-winning field goal, and then they cut him the next year. And, and then they bring in Carrie Blanchard, who promptly, on opening day, the only good game Browning Nagel ever had, opening day 92 against the Falcons, misses like three three kicks that would have won. No, no, it wasn't. No, that wasn't Blanchard. That was Jason Starofsky, who missed three field goals that cost them that game against Atlanta. They couldn't keep Allegra. who just kicked them into the playoffs. But then again, it's the Jets. And 30 years later, the Jets still have no kicker uh, at all. They need to take one <laughs> no. in the draft. Well, they had a good one. They got rid of the guy. Well, well who's the guy that went to Seattle? Jason two Myers. Years ago, the guy Jason made the Myers. Pro Bowl. Right. Yeah. The two best players on the team, the kicker and the kick returner, and they, they let him go. Roberts. Andre Roberts. Andre yeah. Roberts, the guy's like the best kicker Tournament football. Ah, we don't want him. Hey, we don't need him. <laughs> oh man. Let's just kick. Let's just start on the twenty-five yard line. That's it. We're good. <laughs> I've seen enough Sam Ficken and Chase McLaughlin. Uh, oh, for, like, my I'm, I'm oh my god! So, oh my god! They got, they got a couple six-round picks. I'm expecting a, a kick. Hey, look, to be taken. look. Place kicking was like, you guys don't remember Pat Leahy, who was the most overrated kicker. This guy was. I mean, like this guy never made a big kick for the Jets. He was the kicker for a hundred years. And people People like go nuts for this guy. He stunk. He would never make a big kick. The day the Giants lost the Joe Pisaccia game, in November 1978, right? The Joe Pisaccia game, okay? The, the miracle at the Meadowlands Hermit was the whole day. That day, people don't remember this. Both the Jets and Giants played at home that day, okay? Both really? played at home. Yeah, look oh, it up. They, they, the okay. data, the they, data, the, the, the Jets are at Shea. The Jets were still at Shea, okay. Right, the Jets are at okay. Shea, the Giants are at the Meadowlands, right? So it's the day the Pisaccia fumble, right? So the Jets are playing the, the Patriots that day at Shea. Pat Leahy, about, I don't know, maybe it's a 35-yard field goal that would have won the game at, at, at the end of regulation. I mean, right? Would have won the game at the buzzer. They'd lose in 1917, which, by the way, turned out to be the same score of the Giant game, 1917. 1917, they're losing, losing to New England. Field goal wins the game, 2019, 35-yarder. Leahy misses the kick. And after he misses the kick, Steve Nelson, who was a terrific linebacker, if you remember him for the Patriots back in the 70s, comes over to Leahy and pats him on the top of the helmet. I'll never forget it. Oh, my God. And it was the same day. Look it up. Same day as the Pisachic fumble. November 78, whatever the date is. I don't know right. the exact date. Right. And both games were 1917. Both of them. A great day in New York football history. There you go. Right up there. <laughs> but you know what, though? The 
best thing that ever happened to the Giants was that 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 game. That was the best thing ever. That changed everything. Changed everything for the Giants. Well, J- Joe, twenty five years on the fan. We miss you. Uh, we're glad you're enjoying retirement. Hopefully, the uh, the Jets and Zach Wilson is the answer for this we can only team. Pray. And we can only pray, and we appreciate you coming on. And you know, I'll sing with you in a few weeks. Me, you, and Nelson Figueroa. Right, well, you let me know. You know, get, uh, you do let me know. You know, sometime. You know, let's get before we do the Mets stuff. Let's get uh, like June, and then let's let's get a, a better feel of where we are with the Mets. But call me around then for that, and I'm in. I'll call you in June, and hopefully Lindor will be hitting close. Now, who to do you do that with, Jake? You, it's, Jake, who do you do the Met thing with? Oh, Figueroa. That's Nelson how you Figueroa. said that. Nelson yep. Figueroa. Right, 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 yeah, right. Yeah. right. So, uh, well, tell Nelson I said hello as well, all right? I will for sure. And, uh, you know, enjoy your golf, and uh, hopefully your game picks up. And thanks for coming on, man. Thanks, Joe. Guys, nothing, nothing but love. You guys, uh, I appreciate you having me on. Take care. All the love, bro. That'll seal the deal for episode 66, the Randy Rasmussen edition of Gangs All Here, our Jets podcast from the New York Post. Thanks to Brian Mungia for helping me out in producing the show. Go on Apple Podcasts now and give Gangs All Here a five-star rating and write in a nice review. We appreciate your support. For Brian Costello, I'm Jake Brown. We'll be back next Monday to recap the entire Jets draft. Thanks for listening, and we'll talk to you Monday, May 3rd.